a lot of times people get engaged and they want to rush straight into wedding planning, which really means rushing straight into stress and also quickly replaces the idea and the importance of the marriage itself with the idea of the wedding. Welcome to the Bite Your Tongue podcast. I'm Denise, and I'm joined by my good friend, Dr. Ellen Broughton. We've been through many years of parenting together, and now we're ready to talk about the ins and outs of parenting adult children. Your diapering days are over. Now it's time to consider when to bite your tongue. So let's get started. Hello, and welcome back to Bite Your Tongue. We're so glad you're with us today. Today's episode is Whose Wedding Is It Anyway? I'm Denise Gorant, and I'm joined by my good friend and co-host, Dr. Ellen Broughton. Ellen, we are going to talk about weddings. That's what we're talking about. Just the thought of weddings conjures up anxiety for me. I remember when I got engaged, you know, way back in 1984, we were married, we got engaged in April, and we were married in September of the same year. I think that's pretty undoable these days. And I grew up in Youngstown, Ohio. My mother planned the whole wedding. I had two small caveats. I was not going to throw a garter and I didn't want a head table. Other than that, home free, mom, do whatever you want to do. And since I'm Greek, we had a big fat Greek wedding. A lot of things went wrong. We had this crazy singer, but it just didn't matter to me. Where nowadays weddings are so important to young brides and grooms. So you have your own ideas, Ellen. I mean, tell me what you're thinking about this whole topic and conversation. Well, since I have a daughter who's getting married in a year, I have lots to think about with this conversation, and I know very, very, very little. Um, I also can say that what little I do know comes from Say Yes to the Dress or <laughs> uh, that other wedding show, Four Weddings, where they have to win the wedding and all of them look like terrible ideas. <laughs> so today we are beyond excited, especially I am beyond excited to welcome Allie Houston Lyons. She is a therapist at Isle Talk, a boutique therapy practice that specializes in helping the modern day bride or groom cope with the stresses of planning a wedding. So what better person than Allie to let us parents of adult children know exactly how we are adding even more stress to their day and actually maybe even a little bit more to ours as well. So Allie, please tell us a little bit about you. We're really excited to have you. Yes. Hello. Uh, I so appreciate you guys having me. I am more than thrilled to be here and to dig into all of the topics wedding-wise with you two. Um I started my career, my therapy career, working directly with couples and families. So I find it so energizing and fascinating to untangle, to deconstruct, to reconstruct relationships. So I quickly found my own niche in that space. And when I saw an opening at IELTS Talk, I was really, really intrigued by the sweet spot of the practice. So IELTS Talk works with couples, as you said, and individuals who are planning a wedding. So this was really interesting to me, not only because it's the first ever practice with this focus, but also because there's so many layers that we don't realize underneath the wedding planning process. So the fact that each wedding decision is imbued with an incredible amount of meaning The reality that weddings often exacerbate family dynamics that already exist 
And there are a lot of cultural narratives at play when it comes to weddings and obviously also the marriage itself. Absolutely. I have so many questions, but let's start at the top. Okay. Engagement. You get the call. Let's hope you get the call. Um, Your child's engaged. Um, Hopefully you're excited. And then I think, well, what's the next step for the parent? How do you as a family transition from the dating phase to now the engagement Mm -hmm. stage? What sort of changes and what roles do the parents of the adult kids play? Yeah, absolutely. I I think that your first step as a family is to give the engagement space to breathe and to encourage that in your child. So a lot of times people get engaged and they want to rush straight into wedding planning, which really means rushing straight into stress and also quickly replaces the idea and the importance of the marriage itself with the idea of the wedding. So I think that's my first big point to bring into the podcast today. Preparing for a wedding often unintentionally overtakes any instinct to prepare for the actual marriage, which, as you can imagine, isn't exactly a great start for lifetime partnership. So the first thing that I really encourage parents to do is celebrate big time, but also to help their kids focus their attention on this beautiful and also massive decision that they've just made. So can I say I did everything wrong? Um, (laughs) So my daughter got engaged in January. And I think that I didn't want to do it right. I mean, that's the thing. Like they could seriously, they could even elope if that's what they wanted. I really fine with whatever they want to do. But what they told me they wanted to do was to get married in November in a, at an island. And mm-hmm. so I was trying to be helpful. And, you know, I'm, tr- I'm hearing what they're saying they want. And so we get on the phone. So I started to look at, you know, are there just rooms available for my mom, for example, mm-hmm. you need something close and yada, yada, yada. And what I found is that they were all booked. And so we had to go into this really quick overdrive, which was super stressful, especially for the groom who was a bit overwhelmed within two weeks of getting married when I was just trying to be helpful. And I think it just showed me right out of the gate how easy it is to mess this up. And it it was fine. I mean, what they decided was we don't really want to have this stress right now. And Mm -hmm. then like, great, wait another year. That's cool. So I just think that's great advice. I didn't know it at the time. I wish I, I wish I'd known. Yeah. I mean, very few people do. It's such an exciting time. um, And you want to start rushing into the planning of it because it sounds fun. It sounds exciting. And I think as as people and as parents, we don't realize how much stress that can add to a really pivotal period right after a couple gets engaged. And that brings me to a question. What, do, what are the undersurface things that come to the surface when the couple gets engaged that maybe as a parent we should be more sensitive to? Yeah, that's a really great question. Um, to be blunt... Engagements are sold by society as all sex and champagne, which they are in part. So in an ideal world, they are lots of sex and lots of champagne. And I hope I'm not turning off the parents listening to this. No, 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 don't worry. We're we're, we're not our parents' generation in that way. (laughs) We're the cool moms. We're the cool moms, right? (laughs) (laughs) 
But under so under the surface of all of that, there is this entire in- identity shift happening that's virtually never acknowledged in society and therefore on an individual level. So with an engagement, we're talking about big, bold lifetime change here. And engaged couples are expected to feel blissful, literally blissful all the time. That's the picture they're given. And it's not realistic. So they may be feeling grief associated with the loss of singlehood. They may be fearful of a commitment that's intended to last decades. They may feel disappointed that the experiences that they're having don't match what they expected. And I think that word expected is so critical because that's a huge part of wedding planning is expectations. Mm -hmm. So engagements and especially weddings are this pressure cooker for expectations, pressure from family, pressure from friends, from traditional media, and now definitely from social Social media. media, Social media is a huge one from society, from culture at large, um, we're told in many different ways exactly what this is supposed to look like. So we're told the engagement should be the happiest time of your life. And if it doesn't look like that, maybe you're in the wrong relationship. We're told that the wedding should be the absolute best day of your life. And if it's not, it's a failure. That your bachelor party should look like the movie The Hangover. That your bridal shower should look like an Instagram influencer, social media page. That your wedding should be a fairy tale. I could probably go on for a long time. Um, But engaged couples carry these expectations with them like they're carrying a boulder. uh, And that pressure brings out a whole host of emotions. And how do us as parents support them. I mean, they're yeah. feeling this. Sometimes they don't communicate what they're feeling with us. They just mm-hmm. take their stress on us. Yeah, it's a really it's a really great question. I think as parents, if you are able to from the start normalize that there are going to be a lot of negative emotions or some negative emotions, maybe I shouldn't say a lot normalize that those are going to come up and that those can be talked about and that the stress can be talked about uh, allows all of those experiences a place to breathe rather than the kid or the couple feeling like I'm not supposed to be feeling that. So I'm going to put it in a locked vault in the back of my psyche. So let me ask you then, what should I have done differently given that this, um, this situation came up. I should know I'm a psychologist, but I really don't know. You don't mm-hmm. know anything when it comes to your own kids. Nothing, nothing, nothing. <laughs> and so, so, um, so, you know, they get engaged. It's mm-hmm. like, we want to, you know, we want to do this this year. We don't want to wait. Yeah. What, how do you welcome somebody in the family in that way? And how do you be supportive when you hear someone say that? Um, now I, I, you know, I have ideas, but, but I'd love to know what you have to say about it. Yeah. I mean, first of all, I don't think you did anything wrong. I think that you were really excited and you were trying to be helpful and you were understanding what it would look like to have a wedding on an island in November. And it sounds like ultimately it resolved itself. It got to a place where your um, your child and their fiance decided, actually, we're going to wait because we don't want this stress right now. Um, but I think If you were to have a do-over and take a step back, you might just look at 
um, what it's like for you to invite this new person into your family. And what does that mean to you? What does it mean to your child to be bringing a new person into the family? Um, What's really important to you as a parent in this moment? Is it important for you to be close to your child's fiance's family? Is it important for you to throw a party? Is it important for you to have deep conversations about what this new step for your family means? I think that's unique to each parent. And those are all starters for conversations that you can have with your kids. Well, since I don't think anybody really thinks about that. Yeah. Sorry. Well, Denise, I was yeah. brought up by a Greek mom and a million mm-hmm. Greek aunts. Mm-hmm. And I was trained that when your child gets engaged, the first thing is, and I'm not sure if it was the bride or the groom's parents, calls the other family to mm-hmm. congratulate them and tell them how pleased they are of this union and how excited. And, you know, we we're so happy to welcome Johnny to the family or Sally to the family. And we look forward to uh, enjoying this journey with you. And like, if you didn't do that, you might as well be, you know, in, again, in the traditional Greek family, um, mm-hmm. you know, you were way, you just weren't brought up properly. That makes total sense to me. And that is an infusion of your specific culture into the wedding planning process. And if that is important to you, then it's important to the wedding planning process. You can give your son or your daughter a heads up that this is something that's important to you, see what they think, and then move forward. I look at all of this as an opportunity to have open and honest communication with your kids, see what's important to you, see if they're comfortable with it, and then hopefully find a path forward together. You know, that's really, yeah, that's really how it played out. Yeah, she said the right thing. Check check with your kid first, though. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, that that was the main thing. Okay, so should we move on to um, let's see, finances? That's a big one. We talk about wedding and finances, Ellen. What do you think? Yeah, I want to hear what you have to say about that. I mean, it's money. You know, the kinds of things that you're talking that Mary talked about in terms of emotional changes and and then you add money on top of this and it money is a trigger for almost everybody in different ways well, right and and i find that money causes sometimes um not anxiety is not the word but animosity like well why aren't they picking up that expense and i'm paying for all of this and mm-hmm. who who asks what, whose family what they're paying for and how do you continue that harmonious journey when everyone's anxious over who's paying for what yes Things get complicated when we talk about money. Money is a very fraught topic. It's a fraught topic in every couple that comes into my office. It's a fraught topic in a lot of families, and it's definitely a difficult topic when it comes to weddings. I think the answer to your questions are unique to every family. So some Some families feel very traditional. It's really important for them to stick with the idea that, say, in straight couples, that the bride's family pays for the wedding, the groom's family pays for the rehearsal dinner. But there are so many other options out there. So many couples who are getting married later in life than previous generations pay for the wedding entirely themselves. But I think to get back to the heart of communication, the couple 
is the connective tissue between the two families. So they really hold the majority of their responsibility for gathering each family's willingness or ability to contribute and to manage the conflicts if they arise between the families if one of them doesn't feel that the other is pulling their weight. What I was going to say was, what if you have a daughter who's a procrastinator? So you're plan, you know, you're helping to plan this and she's given you, you know, okay, mom, you know, here's the place we want, take care of booking it, blah, blah, blah. And you're dealing with these finance issues and you say, Sally, we're going to pick up X, Y, and Z. Do you think Scott's family can pick up the band or something like that? And you need to know because you know what? Your child's not understanding that these deadlines are important. And if you don't meet them, you're going to lose the band. And I'm a more like do it four weeks ahead. And my daughter tends to be do it the day before. How would I work with her on those kinds of issues and get her to step up and get with the program here? Yeah, it's a it's a great question. So I'm going to give you guys a, a tried and true construct here that often helps with couples and families that I work with to understand each other when it feels like they're really not on the same page. So you, as the parent, can say to your child, when I don't see you recognizing all of the steps that we need to take to actually make this wedding happen, I feel X, Y, and Z. So I feel blank. And so that allows you to focus on your emotional experience rather than starting the cycle of the blame game with your daughter and saying something like, Sally, you have no idea what it actually takes to pull off a wedding and you're not doing anything on the timeline that we need to. And then, you know, you started an argument right right at the beginning of trying to have this conversation and then it's off the rails from the beginning. That That's a good point. All right. This, this question I just want, what's that, what does an average wedding cost these days? Um, <laughs> to be honest with you, as a, as a wedding therapist, it's not my purview. Right. Um, it's not, it's not my space to know exactly what the cost is, but what I can tell you is that they seem to be getting more and more and more expensive. And if I were to hypothesize as to why, um, a huge part of that is social media. A huge part of that is the expectation that is set by all of the other weddings that you see and feeling like when you come to your own, it needs to be the best, bigger, better, more beautiful, or at least matching expectations of what you've seen online. Um, And that often carries this really heavy price tag, unfortunately. You probably work a lot with your couples to lessen, mm-hmm. the, you know, let them know that this is a special day and this isn't about meeting expectations of everyone else. It's yeah. about what you want. Yeah, it's a it's a really great point. I think um, one of the things I talk to individuals and couples a lot about is the idea of personal and not perfect. Um, the perfectionism monster kicks in really hard for a lot of people. And I don't want to focus too much on gender norms, but typically for brides, that perfectionism drive really kicks in. And so trying to shift the focus from how can you make your wedding day a real personification of who you and your partner are, rather than needing to be big and bold and best and better and all of the B words. How can you make it really just about who the two of you are? And in that way, it's the best wedding that the two of you could have. It's interesting because 
there were a few weddings this year that were supposed to happen and they didn't. And yeah. mm-hmm. some of them were just very, very small. And the people who got married seemed to be extraordinarily happy about it. Like they loved it. we all saw the pictures and they were beautiful, but they all say they were so thrilled that they had this small wedding in their backyard or at the courthouse with just four family members there. It was re- it's really touching when you think about it. And I wonder if that will change. But at yeah, it's such an interesting effect of COVID. It doesn't seem to be that way because, again, I'm going to bring up my daughter, who I hope isn't going to kill me for this, but she started thinking that she wanted or that was going to have a very small wedding. And all of a sudden, there are like 70 people on the guest list. And mm-hmm. so, <laughs> you know, in terms of the who do you invite, uh, how do you manage that? And what, yeah, what do you, what do you do? In terms of the invite, because I loved Ellen's question, Mm -hmm. but I want to say, again, the big fat Greek wedding, just immediate family or 70 people on one side. Mm -hmm. So you have all of those things to deal with. How do you deal with this invite list? So it's really tough. Um, I think to go back to what Ellen was saying about COVID weddings, I think what COVID has done for COVID brides and grooms is strip away some of the expectation because there are so many things that have not been available to them. So when you shrink down a wedding like that, you're really getting more to the core of what the wedding is for rather than all of the pomp and circumstance and pleasing all of these people for an 100 to 200 person wedding. And so I really see in that people being able to focus on why the wedding is happening versus all of the, you know, I don't want to call it hoopla because it is really important, but all of the effort that goes into creating the really big event. To answer your question, Denise, with the invite list, it's really tough because I think you come back to questions of whose wedding is it anyway? Is it the parents? Is it the kids? Who can the parents invite? Who can the kids invite? Whose invites are more important? And I think it's a really, really tough question when you're looking. Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, do you find that it's partly due to the person who's paying for the wedding? Yes, completely. I think that for weddings, the biggest issue that we see with finances for a lot of people is control. So many parents believe that if they're financing the wedding, they should get a say in decisions that the couple is making. So my my best advice in that realm is to try to set expectations at the beginning. So if you are doling out the cash for the wedding and that means to you, I get to invite whoever I want. I get to be a huge part of the creative vision. I get to have a final say on the venue. Then you're going to want to talk to your kid about those things right at the start so they have an understanding of what that money means from the beginning and they can decide if they're comfortable with that. So you're not further down the road when it gets really stressful and coming up on that conflict at that point. That is a really good point. The crux of what you're getting to is can, when we are developing the invite list, whether we envision a huge wedding, whether we envision an intimate wedding, whether we only have the budget for a certain amount of people, but wish we could invite double that, it's just adding an extra space 
space in that process to go down the list and ask yourself, how important is it that that person is there? So if you are a mom who has a daughter getting married, and it's really important to you to invite your five best friends, you might want to have a conversation with your daughter to tell her how important that is to you. So she doesn't feel like you're just pumping up the guest list and taking away invites from her, but rather that this means a lot to you and to not be able to share this really important moment in your life with your best friends who you've been with for decades would feel like a real loss to you. So getting down to the meaning of it and really questioning who is important and why are they important can help to clarify that process for everybody. And do you ever deal with, I think, particularly for the parent, they Mm -hmm. have to leave out people, okay? It might be a neighbor Mm -hmm. who's known the child since they were little, but the child doesn't feel as connected to that neighbor or friend. And they say, you know, why are you going to invite Mrs. So-and-so? You know, I haven't seen her and whatever. But Mm -hmm. Mrs. So-and-so is always asking about her and you're close to Mrs. Mm -hmm. So-and-so. And Mrs. So-and-so has invited you to all of her children's weddings. How do you deal with that? It's a really difficult topic. I go back to trying to have an open, empathetic dialogue between the two of you, which I realize is a lot more difficult to accomplish than me sitting here and saying that. But explaining to your kid how much this person cares about them and seeing if that lands with them, seeing if that means something to them, letting them look at it through a different lens. But ultimately, you may find yourselves on opposite sides of that issue and having to find a way through that may not feel great. Now, can I change the subject? back to me. Yes, please. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm going dress shopping in another two weeks. Yes. What do I need to do? What should I remember? <laughs> um, so one of the things I would say is that weddings and wedding decisions hold a ton of meaning for for people who are getting married. And I'm sure for you too as the mom. But when you look at something like going dress shopping with your daughter, you are it seems like such a simple task, but you're really creating an experience that hits on something really foundational in what it means to be a human being, which is that it's in our DNA to want our parents to approve of us. So as parents, you are the very first critical, pivotal, primary caregiver in love in a child's life. And that carries through the lifetime, whether you have a good relationship or you don't. And for each of us, it's rooted deep inside of us that our parents, that we want our parents to approve of our decisions. So when you're going into the process of watching your daughter try on these dresses, not only is there the expectation that this must be the most important dress that she's ever worn in her life, but she's also going to be more sensitive to your feedback more than anyone else because she ultimately is going to want your approval. So I should just really sit up. <laughs> I should just sit back and smile. Yeah. No, no. Does she bite her tongue the whole time is the real question. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I mean, it's tough. It depends on the type of relationship that you have with your daughter. I think, you know, from from my side of things, I want you to be able to express yourself. I want you to be able to give your opinion. I think it's just giving it with that sensitivity in mind that this holds so much weight in her mind and your opinion on it is going to hold a lot of weight. So I read a little piece on your website about this that um, you, you should make the day special if you're go if you're somebody who's going with them. What specific things would you say? It was just one little point in your in your 
what like yeah. what do you do? Like a special place for lunch or you know, like you could yeah. What do you do? Right. It's a great question. And I think, you know, if you were asking me that in in a family therapy session or in an individual session, I would say, based on who you know your daughter to be, what do you think would make it special for her? Would that be the two of you starting the day, going out to breakfast and talking to each other about how momentous it is that she's going to try on wedding dresses for the first time? Or is it inviting her two best friends and popping champagne in the moment? and just, you know, squealing every time she comes out in a dress, you know, based on who she is, what's going to make it special for her? What do you think, Denise? I don't know. But I also read on the website, I think Landis and Mm -hmm. uh, the founder of your firm, or Mm -hmm. a founder of IOTalk wrote that, um, I think she was dress shopping with her sister and her sister and her mom have a wonderful relationship and everything was going to go smoothly. And the mother said something about the dress seeming too tight. And the sister just jumped down her throat. It was as though the mother said, you know, you're the fattest thing I've ever seen or something. And I think that mother-daughter tension can really illuminate in this situation. And I wonder, as the parent of an adult child, how do we, um, you know, stop that from happening? Or what are the what are the kinds of things? Do we not say, oh, that looks a little tight in the back? It's a really good question. Um, I think it, it, it comes to a really important point about the wedding planning process, which is that weddings often reignite or intensify existing family dynamics. So I bring it back to the type of relationship that you have with your child. So if your daughter is typically someone who is sensitive or has, um, say, some body image issues, you're going to want to be really sensitive about how you communicate because it's just a charged situation. Weddings make everything more charged, which means that if you already had an existing family dynamic, it's just being taken to another level. So I don't want to say explicitly, say it or don't say it, but just be sensitive to that in your delivery. I think it's probably more about how you say it than what you're trying to communicate. So more than biting our tongues, we're walking on eggshells. <laughs> you are, you're walking on eggshells to a degree. I like to think of it as you're being adaptable, you're being flexible, you're being considerate, you're being all of those things. And hopefully that effort means that you can really get across what you want to say. You don't have to bite your tongue at the end of the day. Okay. All I right. Like that. <laughs> That's um, the optimism. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, Allie, is there anything we didn't cover or do you have three takeaways for us? If you want our listeners to leave with three key things about this episode or about being the parent of an adult child or whose wedding is it anyway, what would those three key points be other than call I'll talk immediately? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Other than call I'll talk immediately. It's it's a really great great question. Um, There's so much under the surface of weddings. So it's hard to boil down, but I'll I'll give you my top three that come to mind. One, try to encourage your kids to focus as much on planning for the marriage as they are planning for the wedding. I think in wedding planning, that really gets lost. They're planning for a lifetime commitment that is intended to last for decades moving forward. And so really giving thought to that. 
give thought to it in what way? Like, um, you know, they're focused on mm-hmm. the guest list, but think about their future together more, that that's more important than the favor on the table. Is that what you're thinking? What What do you mean by that? Yeah, that's not a bad way of articulating it. I think it's it's not necessarily giving more thought to the marriage, but giving some thought to the marriage, giving as much thought to the marriage. So essentially that's asking the question, what are you going to do to prepare for this lifetime commitment? How are you going to get in the headspace where you feel comfortable and confident on your wedding day that you are prepared to move into this new role as husband or wife. And I think, unfortunately, that really gets lost because it's a very exciting and aspirational time. But bringing that back to a part of the focus is is something I would really encourage. Okay, that's number one. That's number one. Number two is (laughs) let the negative emotions, whatever they are as they come up, let them breathe, give them space to breathe, help to remind your kids that it's very normal to feel tough, difficult things during engagements, during wedding planning, alongside all of the great and beautiful, beautiful things that they feel. So all feelings are valid. All feelings are allowed to be spoken into the room and received without judgment. Okay, number three. (laughs) Number three. um, Number three would be help to release that pressure valve of expectation for the wedding. So we named all of those things earlier in the podcast, all of the influences that set these incredibly high expectations. So this is not only for the kids, but also for you as parents. Work together to release this idea of perfect and instead create a wedding that feels like the personification of who the couple and the family is. I think those are all really good um, things to take away. And as I didn't think of this before the um, Mm -hmm. interview today, but, you know, I mentioned to a few people who I was interviewing today and people say, wedding therapist, really? There's wedding therapists? Mm -hmm. And as I'm talking to you today and listening to you, I know a lot of young couples that when they do plan to get married, even after engagement or right before, they talk to a counselor. And it's really about exactly what you were saying in embracing the marriage and not the uh, whole material event of the wedding. And it seems to me that you guys would also be very helpful in that because you know what's coming up. So it's not just when you're having sort of tension with the groom or tension with the groom's family, but a company like I'll Talk would be really important for the bride and groom to even begin their journey. Let's step back before we start this planning and think about what's important to you. And you would be able to bring up questions then that are meaningful that they may not have thought about. Yes, I I think that's a great observation. And it's definitely a huge part of the work that we do. How I might look at it is it may start as wedding planning therapy, right? People reach out to her because that is our focus and specialty. But in the process of that, naturally, you also have elements of premarital counseling coming in. And so it can can be seen as a combination of both. You're dealing with the stress of the wedding. You're dealing with the family dynamics included in planning a wedding and everything that comes with that. But you're also thinking about what it means to be entering into a marriage and your relationship. And we can bring both of those things into each of our sessions. Yeah, it sounds wonderful. One additional last question. Give it to Do me. you ever, because I'm thinking about, you know, this is a podcast for people who are parenting adult children, but sometimes the parents get married. 
is that part of your practice as well? Because there are lots of things that must go on in that dynamic. Yes, yes, 100%. There is no age limit to getting married in our eyes. And certainly parents who are getting married who have children are dealing with the flip side of family dynamics and what their child's expectations are, how their child feels about their partner, how their child feels about their parent getting remarried and everything that it means to the parent to be entering into this union. So Yes, that's a great question and certainly something that we welcome into the practice. And it's interesting because Ellen, I never even yeah, thought if about that. You have little kids, you know, that's just part of what you do when you get remarried. But when you have adult children, it's really different. And it's different for adult children to all of a sudden have siblings who are like in their thirties. And right. it's, it's yeah, I just wondered. Well, and, and to go full circle, it's also interesting for adult children to go through the engagement period with their parents, sex and champagne. <laughs> yeah, that too. <laughs> right? <laughs> exactly. Allie, is there anything that we didn't cover that you feel is important? Or do you feel like we hit the bases? I think that you hit all the bases. And I so appreciate you having me on today. It's been been beautiful to talk to you both. I love talking about this stuff. So thank you so much. Well, congratulations with this aisle talk. I think it's mm-hmm. a fabulous idea. You guys are really on your way. I've seen you promoted in so many magazines and newspapers, and um, you're doing a great job. So thanks for being with us. Thank you so much. Thank you for being with us. Ellen, good luck with uh, yeah. your daughter's I think wedding. you might be on the guest <laughs> list, but we'll see. <laughs> Listen, one thing I always tell my friends is I'm really happy your child's getting married. I've been part of their life. But if I need to be dropped off the guest list, I still love them. And I'd love to see the videos and all the pictures. And and, because I know that guest list stuff's tough. I say the same thing. I really do. And I mean it, too. Like, it's not. But I think we're the might be the exception to the rule. Anyway. All right. Bye, everybody. Thank you so much. As a reminder, Allie is a therapist and coach at IELTS Talk Consultation and Therapy. IELTS Talk is a boutique practice devoted to helping brides and grooms cope with the stresses that arise during wedding planning and the anticipation of marriage. IELTS Talk is a New York City-based company but works with clients all over the world. You can get in touch with their team through the website isle-talk.com or at IELTS Talk on Instagram. We'll also have all this information in our episode notes. And thanks again to all of our listeners. We have some really great episodes coming up that you will not want to miss. I wish we were able to drop one every week. There's so much to talk about. Stay tuned for an episode on spirituality choices, LGBTQ, parenting adult children with special needs. And we're excited that we've landed one of the only researchers in the country who is studying this chapter of parenting adult children. We're anxious to hear what he's uncovering. Stay tuned. As always, if you're enjoying the podcast, please give us five stars on Apple or Spotify. Thank you again. And thanks also to Connie Fisher, our audio engineer. And a special shout out to Zach Heckendorf. Zach is an accomplished singer-songwriter and an amazing guitarist. He's now adding podcasting to his repertoire. I've been struggling with my mic for the last few episodes, and he came over to help me to get it to work better. Thank you so much, Zach. Finally, remember, sometimes you just have to bite your tongue.